MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, April 10th. Today, Matt Gates looks to be in even more trouble as Joel Greenberg is likely taking a plea deal. The case against the Trump Organization in Manhattan gets stronger as more financial records are handed over from the Weiselbergs. More people are getting voting rights back in the state of Washington, and Ted Cruz looks like he's even in more trouble, this time over his book. Sitting in for AG today, I'm Dana Goldberg, and joining me is no one other than Mary Trump. Mary, oh my goodness. First of all, I want to thank you for joining me. I know you're in a secluded location. You're never supposed to read the news. I know this about you and you still said yes. How are you? I'm I'm okay. <laughs> I, I guess under the circumstances, I'm really happy to be here. And, and honestly, um, AG couldn't have picked a better day to take off since it's been such a slow news day. So, you know, we can just hang out. Yeah, I got nothing. Let's just, uh, just share some funny childhood quips, shall we? Sure. <laughs> hey, how is your book coming along? I know that you are literally, as I said, in an undisclosed location trying to finish this damn thing. How is it going, honestly? I'm guessing my editor put you up to that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going. I've got my blinders on and my head down. Um, you know, honestly, being vaccinated, even though I'm not even going outside, is a huge relief. Yes. To have that out of the way, it really takes, as you know, it just takes a huge load off. And um, I'm just going to get this thing done and hopefully it will be good. Well, I know that everyone listening, including the patrons that were part of the original book club for Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man, are just waiting, biting at the bit for this to come out. So I can't wait. I know you're shooting for July to have it finished. Is that still the, the final date? Uh, no, I'm, uh, it's getting published, oh, published in July, which is a kind of a different thing. <laughs> oh, shit. You've got to be done way sooner than that. Much sooner and not June or May. Okay. So got it. All right. So let's, let's rip through this. Uh, AG, thank you so much for trusting me with your baby for a day. I'm glad Mary can join us. Um, everyone, please remember to join AG and a um, Andrew Torres the live in their stereo app this coming Tuesday at 5 p.m. And then AG is going to be back with me live on Thursday, as always at 5 p.m. So, um, I hope that you'll join us for that. Please join the Stereo app if you're not already on there. And later in the show, AG has a great interview with Sam Goldman. She is the host of Refuse Fascism podcast. Um, so you'll be able to listen to that. AG, thank you for recording before you took some much needed time off. Uh, so that'll come later in the show. But right now, uh, we have a lot of headlines to cover. So let's do it, Mary. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, everyone. So the lead story comes from Politico today. Now, the legal peril Matt Gates is facing appears to be increasingly uh, getting worse. Um, as of Thursday, after a court hearing indicated that one of Gates's close friends, the former Seminole County, Florida tax collector, we know this great human being, Joel Greenberg, he's actually very likely cooperating with federal prosecutors, Mary. So shit's about to go down. Now, this development uh, for close ally as the form um, of the former guy came as prosecutors and defense attorney for Greenberg appeared before a judge here to discuss the next steps in a recent expanded criminal case charging Greenberg with sex trafficking of a minor, as well as stalking, bribery, and defrauding the pandemic-related paycheck protection program. I don't know if you remember that, but he did not spend the money the way he was supposed to. Shocking. I know. <laughs> So this is actually a quote. Um, I am sure Matt Gates is not feeling very comfortable today, said Greenberg's defense attorney, Fritz Scheller. And this was after the hearing. That's just as supportive as Donald has been of Matt Gates. <laughs> I know. He's like, yeah, I never know him. Maybe he just brought me coffee once. So the federal probe looking into whether Gates had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl and paid for her travel, that began last year and grew. this grew out of the, the Greenberg investigation. So he's already in hot water for this. So they said, we believe the case is going to be a plea. 
Now, that's the federal prosecutor, Roger Hanberg. That's what he said at the outset of the brief hearing. It was very, very short. He also continued to say, my hope would be that it's done this month. Now, Scheller agreed that his client is looking to make a deal. He said, I expect this case to be resolved with a plea, and that's was the defense lawyer. He said moments later, now the briefing, this thing only took 10 minutes. Attorneys did not actually mention Gates by name, uh, but the exchange, however, strongly suggested that Greenberg's likely assisting the prosecution. Fabulous. Yes. So the new development signals potentially serious trouble for Matt, like he's not enough as it is, as prosecutors now have someone very close to the congressman apparently willing to provide an insider account of his activities, such as um, information and perspective that can be vital to the provide context for the financial travel records prosecutors are known to be scrutinizing. So speaking to reporters after the court session, Scheller remained cagey, as they said, about whether his client had provided information specifically about Gates to federal prosecutors. But the defense lawyer said Greenberg uh, about him that he's uniquely positioned. That's what he said about him. Yeah, uniquely. So Scheller also, the plea talks with the government were underway before the latest indictment against Greenberg was filed last month. So this has been going on for a while. And those that um, those new charges that came are actually what they say is no surprise to him or his clients. So Matt Gates is going down. I just it is time. It's just it's a matter of time before this happens. Um, he's this guy's flipping on him. He's supposed to be a good friend. Um, it does not look good. Politico actually reported Tuesday that friends of the men say Greenberg introduced Gates to Greenberg, found through profiles on websites like Seeking Arrangement, which features women looking for sugar daddy relationships with wealthy men. <gasps> and that actually sent a text, Mary, a text to Politico saying, I've never paid for sex. He sent oh. a text saying that to Politico. That's pathetic. And well, I also don't buy it because there's no way no. anyone has had Matt sex with Matt <laughs> Gates without being paid. Not voluntarily, no. Oh, exactly, or having drugs involved. Now, while details of Greenberg's potential deal with prosecutors were not spelled out in court, such agreements typically require cooperation with the government and a promise to provide testimony against other potential defendants. Now, in exchange, prosecutors would likely drop many of the 33 felony charges leveled against the former tax collector in the superseding indictment handed up last week. So such a move would reduce the maximum prison time, of course, for Greenberg. Um, but in addition, his sentencing would likely be put off until after his cooperation and potential testimony against others is complete. That could mean it's more than just Matt Gates. That is quite a story. And it included uh, two of AG's favorite words, superseding indictment. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the former guy is apparently getting into more hot water. You've got news from New York now. I do. I, this is feeling like an extended uh, version of schadenfreude. Um, from the Washington Post, investigators from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, acting on a grand jury subpoena, took possession of financial records Thursday morning from the apartment of Jennifer Weisselberg, the former daughter-in-law of a top Trump organization officer um, who was work, who's worked for my grandfather since 1971. So I'm guessing there might be some really interesting information here. Jennifer Weisselberg was married to Barry Weisselberg, the son of Trump organization chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg. She's previously said that she had seven boxes of financial records from both her ex-husband and his father, some of which were obtained through divorce litigation. Oops. <laughs> On Thursday, she loaded three boxes and a laptop computer into a Jeep that was waiting outside her building. Oh, the intrigue. And if anyone knows about loading boxes of financial records into cars parked outside buildings, it's you. I am having flashbacks. Seriously, I have chills. This is so cool. Oh, my God, the symmetry. The move by District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. appears to be the latest sign that Alan Weisselberg, the company's highest-ranking corporate officer who's not a member of the family, Trump's family, Donald Trump's family, is a key focus of the ongoing crim criminal probe into the former guy. Sorry, can't say that word. No, I appreciate it. That's what we do here. Donald John Trump's financial dealings. Uh, the subpoena, a copy of which was obtained by the Washington Post, ordered Jennifer Weisselberg to produce all of the records she possesses for her ex-husband's bank accounts and credit cards, plus his statements of net worth and tax filings. Barry Weisselberg is a Trump Organization employee and manages an ice rink for the company in Manhattan Central Park. 
the Sabina as specifically for records related to the Trump organization and Woolman Rink. Uh, quote, my knowledge of the documents and my voice connect the flow of money from various banks and from personal finances that bleed directly into the Trump organization, Jennifer Weisselberg said in an interview Thursday. Investigators, she added, now have her ex-husband's 2019 and 2020 statements of net worth, his tax returns, and copies of Woolman rink checks from private events that she claims were deposited incorrectly. I'm shocked. Nothing like a woman scorned. I tell you right now. <laughs> this is brilliant. Uh, Vance and New York Attorney General Letitia James, speaking of amazing women, running parallel investigations, have inquired about whether Alan Weisselberg or his son received untaxed benefits from the Trump Organization. Jennifer Weisselberg has previously said, for example, that her family received free use of Trump Organization apartments in Manhattan. Tax experts say that in some instances, free housing must be counted as income for tax purposes. Jennifer Weisselberg has said it was not in this case. Investigators are examining whether the values of certain properties in the Trump Organization's portfolio were manipulated to gain tax advantages or favorable loans and insurance rates under false pretenses. In complex investigations like those into Donald's business activities, prosecutors routinely seek evidence of wrongdoing by subordinates as a means to elicit their cooperation and expose damaging information about their bosses. The pressure facing Alan Weisselberg appears intended to pursue that strategy against Donald, although neither Vance nor James has alleged wrongdoing by Donald or Weisselberg or anyone else. Not yet. A person with knowledge of the district attorney's investigations previously told the Post that, indeed, Vance is working to flip him. How about that? I love it. I'm sure you, you love seeing this, too. The more ammo they get on the Trump organization, the better. Um, just switching directions a little bit, there's been so much voter suppression from a lot of the other states. Uh, this is not the case up in Washington. Governor Jay Ensley on Wednesday signed a bill automatically restoring voting rights to people who have been released from prison after committing felonies, even if they are still on parole. And that measure was sponsored by a lawmaker who, who herself formerly, who was formerly incarcerated. Now, this is a quote, while other states are restricting the right to vote, I'm glad that in Washington we are expanding access to democracy, Ensley said. Now, Rep. Tara Simmons was convicted of assault in 2001 and of a drug and theft charges in 2011. It was after her father's death sent her into a battle with methamphetamines. This, I love this. She went to law school, Mary. She won approval from the state Supreme Court to take the bar exam following her release. Last November, she became apparently the first former felon elected to the legislature in the state of Washington. Wow. Amazing. She and other supporters said the measure would help encourage former prisoners to reintegrate into society. It was just a matter of um, racial justice, as they put it. Um, those on parole in Washington are disproportionately people of color. More than 20,000 people stand to regain their voting rights when the law takes effect next year. And a quote, regaining the right to vote after having lost so many things meant more to me than most people could imagine, Simmons, a Democrat from Bremerton, said in news release Wednesday. She went on to say this might seem a small thing to some people. It's a giant step for civil rights, and it's one that gives others what it gave me, a belief that I mattered, that I was once again a member of society, and that my freedom was worth preserving at all cost. Ensley thanks Simmons for her work on the bill. He said, as a person who has rebuilt her life following her incarceration, she has so successfully and effectively used her lived experience to benefit of others and to our community. Now, state Republicans shockingly opposed the measure, despite support from many quarters, including the state attorney general's office, the Washington Association of uh, Prosecuting Attorneys, some victims rights advocates, and Republican Rep. Jesse Young, who actually co-sponsored this bill, Mary. So Republican senators said former prisoners, this is what they're saying, should complete their sentences, including parole, and show that they can follow the law before they regain the right to vote, which is pretty fucking rich, considering how many Republicans these days can't actually even follow the law themselves, um, including this next guy that you've got the story on. Would that be Ted Cancun Cruz, perhaps? That would be Ted Cancun Cruz. He's back in the United States breaking more laws. Sadly, he's back in the United States, but thankfully he's getting caught for breaking law this time. Uh, it looks like a nonpartisan government watchdog group on Wednesday filed complaints with the Federal Election Commission and the Senate Ethics Committee accusing Senator Ted Cruz of using campaign funds to generate profits from a book he wrote in 2020. Fascinating that the book sold. 
The campaign legal center claims that Cruz improperly used donations to his campaign committee to spend $18,000 on Facebook ads promoting one vote away how a single Supreme Court seat can change history. The book was intended to highlight Cruz's conservative legal philosophy, but also provided him with a hefty $400,000 advance and 15% of the royalties on sales, according to his 2019 Senate financial disclosure forms. When elected officials use campaign contributions to advance their personal bottom lines, they compromise the integrity of the political process, the group wrote in a letter to the Ethics Committee. Such cases seldom result in serious penalties. And Dana, that's one of the problems. The FEC is pretty toothless, I think, right? Absolutely. Um, But uh, the FEC has often negotiated with candidates to repay their campaigns for questionable expenses, while the Ethics Committee has been reluctant to take action on all but the gravest violations. The fact that Mr. Cruz profited from each sale of the book and the fact that his campaign paid for promotion of it triggered the complaint, said Brendan Fisher, the Campaign Legal Center's Director of Federal Reform. This is a clear-cut case. There is a lot of precedent, he said in an interview. Federal campaign law is clear that campaigns are not for the personal use of a candidate and can't be used to promote the sale of a candidate's book for which they receive a royalty. Chris Gober, a letter representing the committee that paid for the ad, Ted Cruz for Senate, said Mr. Cruz denied the claims. Of course he did. Senator Cruz's campaign has closely followed Federal Election Commission laws and guidelines when promoting his book, and he has not received any royalties whatsoever from these book sales, probably because the book didn't sell. (laughs) Because it didn't sell. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) That was a quote from Mr. Gober, uh, forwarded by a Cruz spokeswoman. Mr. Fisher said that the claim that Cruz received no loyalties is contradicted by Mr. Cruz's own set of disclosures, which provide a detailed royalty structure that gave him 15% of net sales and a lesser amount for each book sold at discount. The Facebook ad cited in the complaint directed buyers to purchase the books through links to three online retailers. It's not clear how those sales would not have generated royalties unless Mr. Cruz had devised a complex system to divert them to a special pool, he added. A spokeswoman for Mr. Cruz did not respond to requests to clarify Mr. Gover's statement or answer any of the questions raised by Mr. Fisher. Shocking. And it's amazing how Republicans can't seem to sell their books without breaking the law, including, I don't know, the RNC buying how many copies of Junior's book? And I'm pretty sure you sold a million in one week without any help from any contributions or breaking any laws. It was actually a day, but let's not quibble. A day, a day, a million in a day. Book sales that Cruz will never, ever see. All right, everyone. Now, AG was kind enough to give a great interview with Samantha Goldman. She's a host of Refuse Fascism. That's a podcast. Um, and she did this interview before she took the much-deserved day off today. They're going to be discussing where we stand after 74 million people voted for more of Trump, um, where we stand after January 6th, after the removal of the trump regime, regime, and what it will really take to stem the tide of American fascism. So you don't want to miss this interview. It's fantastic. So just do me a favor stick around we'll be right back after these messages we'll be right back hey everybody it's ag today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. life will always be unpredictable and sometimes stressful and it can get overwhelming when you're up against difficult and unexpected challenges remember you do not have to face them alone i highly recommend trying better help if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living a happy life BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate life's challenges. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. As you know, I've had my own struggles with post-traumatic stress and I know how important it is to seek help rather than to try to take it on alone. I love how convenient BetterHelp services are. They're available for clients worldwide and you can log into your account anytime from anywhere and send a message to your counselor and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly visits video or phone sessions. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches too, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid's available. So visit their website and read testimonials like this one from BetterHelp user MO, who says, Dr. Richmond is extremely professional, thoughtful, and rational. He always offers realistic solutions to the challenges I face. His deep insight allows me to say very few words and rest assured that I'm well understood. He can connect very well on an intellectual, emotional, and psychological level, making this experience something I can actually look forward to week in and week out. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. 
Everybody, welcome back. Thank you, Dana and Mary, for hosting the show today while I take a day off. Uh, My guest today, she has been sounding the alarm on the rise of fascism and the fascist movement for more than 15 years now. Please welcome the host of the Refuse Fascism podcast, Sam Goldman. Sam, welcome. Thanks for having me, Allison. I'm glad to be here. I am really excited to talk to you. I've been doing the Nazi stomp since the late 80s, so I'm very excited to talk to you about this because I want to know, you've been doing this for a long time. I wanted to know, because you're almost on episode 50 now of your podcast, which is congratulations. That's so great. And uh, everyone, you can get the podcast Refuse Fascism wherever you get your podcasts. And I, I was interested in sort of where it started for you. What sort of started you sounding this alarm on the rise of fascism? Because it's global now. And and what led to you wanting to start the podcast? Yeah, so Refuse Fascism started right after um, Trump won. Um, we were initiated basically on an emergency basis in the wake of the election. Um, And our founding mission was that this regime represented a catastrophic danger um, where people had to unite and organize to actually drive this regime from power. And we were calling for sustained day after day, you know, week after week, nonviolent mass protest. And with our central pledge was around stopping a regime that we were saying imperiled humanity, not just American lives, but people all over the globe and the earth itself. And our slogan was in the name of humanity. We refused to accept a fascist America. And our unifying demand was the Trump-Pence regime must go. And we were identifying that there was a, a identifiable, nameable program that was fascist that Trump's Make America Great Again was a 21st century fascist program, complete with white supremacy, misogyny, and xenophobia. America first, wrapped in in the flag and Mike Pence's Bible taken literally. And we saw that there was a, a strengthening Christian fascist movement that formed its most organized base and their hatred of science fused with Trump's pathological lying to to really allow um, not just the the seeds of conspiracy theories to be planted, but really for them to flourish. And that we were were recognizing a a real move for for the destruction of truth and objective reality. And um, so we we saw that um, as a danger from the beginning. And when we say fascism, we're not just talking about the baddest of insults that you can throw, um, but a qualitative change in how um, society is ruled. Um, and once consolidated, you know, in a fascist society, you do not have um, any weights to redress. You don't have the right to protest. You don't have a rule of law. All of that is eroded. You don't have civil rights. Um, and that this is a for, a rule of, a form of rule that really is of brute terror and force. And it foments and relies upon, you know, as I mentioned before, this tri- triad of xenophobia, misogyny, and white supremacy. And so, We didn't start the podcast um, right away. Um, We started this summer, um, the week that millions began to pour into the streets, rebelling against white supremacy, demanding justice for George Floyd is actually the week that we started. And we noticed that the fascist regime was tightening its grip on society. And because, COVID, we um, called the podcast Inside Without Now since we were a movement that was demanding Trump-Pence out now. And um, the regime was doubling down on its deadly COVID program and unleashing violence on those who dared to call out white supremacy and was mobilizing their rabid anti-science base into the streets. And so, um, as you mentioned, um, we have had 50 episodes to really, um, well, we just aired episode 51. 
And our purpose is to really dig into um, where did this fascism come from? What do we mean by it? Now that these fascists are out of power, what danger still exists? And really challenging people to question whether we can truly move on if we don't confront this danger. Right, because it's not over. Uh, just because the former guy is out of office, we see echoes of that fascism uh, everywhere still. And, and it's it's extremely dangerous. You know, that he, he went after the press, his attacks on our institutions. I mean, very common known steps toward fascism. And, uh, you, you know, you said you started the podcast on an emergency basis. We started Mueller, she wrote, kind of on an emergency basis. We were thinking about it for a few months, and then all of a sudden indictments dropped, and we're like, well, the microphone, microphone, get in the kitchen, let's record. Uh, however, we were called crazy. We were we were told we were being alarmist um, and that Russia was a hoax and and that everything we disagreed with must come from Russia. Uh, we were called uh, Blue Anon, the Q of the left. I mean, we were attacked pretty, pretty fiercely by defenders of, of that administration. And I was wondering if you had that experience as well, especially being a woman. Absolutely. Um, we were and we are. Uh, I'll I'll clarify what I mean by that. Um, challenging people on two fronts. The biggest thing we got is we were using the word fascism. We were describing the danger. We were sounding the alarm. We were saying if we don't act, humanity will be in, in peril. And we were definitely called alarmists. We were told that fascism couldn't happen here. Um, not in this country, the greatest of all countries. And we were also told that our, our institutions were so strong, our, our democracy was so strong that we wouldn't um, succumb to, to fascism. We were also told the lie that people in this country couldn't stop fascism if it happened. We were told that all we could do the best we could do is is root for the good guys, and um, and that's really that's it. Really did tremendous harm over the past four years. Those who kept people off the streets, those who told people to um, only raise reasonable demands, those who told people that um, they could just. Or their that votes they, didn't matter. They're, they, or they that they could just rely matter. on the elections and be quiet and sit back and, and wait for four years as children were put in cages, as Muslims were, 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 were banned from entry, as, you know, you basically had a, a demented bully with his finger on the nuclear trigger threatening the world with fire and fury. Um, and people were told that that they needed to rely on the normal processes. And we saw how close we came to that being all for naught. Yeah, we saw that on January 6th. Yeah, we so narrowly escaped a, 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 a crisis, you know. And this, this election, you know, thankfully there were people that, that came out and, and there were enough votes that, this was defeated, but this was a showdown over nothing less than than the rule of society, whether there was going to be fascism or there wasn't going to be. And the fact that, you know, one of our guests, Dr. Bandy Lee, psychologist um, who came came on very recently to our show on episode 40, you know, one of the things that she said was that because the removal was not a forced removal, um, and it wasn't really a reckoning of his whole presidency, but rather a continuation of enabling in many ways. We see a lot of the effects um, of Trumpism continuing. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Jenny Kane. They bring you modern essentials for wardrobe and home. Jenny Kane believes in design, simplicity, beauty, quality, and living well every day. For me, it's unlocked the secret to an elevated home and gorgeous wardrobe, and it's great for gifts. I love how Jenny Kane has helped me simplify the way that I get dressed. Their curated staples and their pieces let me look and feel my best, no matter my mood or my destination. From wardrobe essentials to beautiful home decor, Jenny Kane has so many amazing pieces. My favorite right now, I well, I have the Marina Pullover, which is amazing and the cashmere cocoon cardigan it's so luxurious soft comfy cozy i'll be wearing these all year long and jenny kane also has everything you need to make your house feel like a home to help you design your space like the way you want to and jenny kane has it all from furniture pillows blankets rugs kitchen items clothings and shoes if you want beautiful timeless pieces you can turn to on a daily basis to make you feel look and feel your best i highly recommend jenny kane their polished basics and home pieces will never go out of style find your forever pieces at jennykane.com and get 15 percent off your first order when you use code DAILYBEANS at checkout. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. Yeah, and, you know, you bring up that, you know, that whole it can't happen here idea. That's part of the package of fascism is is to sort of sow apathy, right? I mean, to, to convince you that in, that invincibility makes us a target for for you know authoritarian leaders uh, and you know just because we have uh, defeated the you know the former guy in november doesn't mean that the next one won't come back out of the woodwork and then there's also the networks of dark money that still support all of it so it's very much uh, an alive and a very much a hot issue and um i you know i think you know using it's interesting when you say that people were uh, sort of, um, you know, why are you using the word fascism when that's not what this is? Um, I think anyone who has studied history might have something else to say. And I know that you and I spoke briefly before we started recording here about uh, Dr. Schneider's On Tyranny, um, which is a very important book, I think, Lessons, 20 Lessons from uh you know governments that have lost that battle and uh i i i'm interested to know you you mentioned that you had dr bandy on uh, who are some of the other guests you've had on what are some of the other discussions that you've had you know relative to to how to how to refuse fascism not only refuse it but you know be actively against it yeah so we have we've really been digging into as i said you know since January 6th, really understanding what did transpire. And also, you know, looking back at these past four years, what does it mean that they're out of power? But what does it also mean that the forces that that brought it to power still remain? That the soil that it grew from, the soil of a country founded on white supremacy and genocide, of a system that has no answer for global warming or the refugee crisis that will continue to to spit out fascists. Um, you know, uh, we've been exploring that that in in a lot of depth, and I really um, encourage people to listen to our fiftieth episode. Um, we we really focused on learning from the past to chart the future, and we did so by. Um, bringing on Dr. Susan Neiman, who's the author of Learning from the Germans. And her book um, explores the working through period post the World War II, post the Nazis of Germany, and the history of slavery in, in the United States and um, the period after. And she had so much insight to bear on what the lessons of confronting the crimes that are committed in your name are, what it means to confront white supremacy and what the consequences of failing to do so are. Yeah, that's very big because, you know, we're, we're... We have a new show called Clean Up on Aisle 45 focusing on holding the Trump administration uh, accountable uh, which oftentimes doesn't happen. The, you know, previous you know presidents don't hold previous presidents accountable for their crimes. 
And that ha- I, I fully believe that led to this particular administration. And if we don't hold them accountable, uh, it, very bad thing. It sets a very bad precedent. Let's just say that it, it opens the door for future Howleys, for example, um, to to step in. Uh, and, you know, we were very uh, lucky, I guess, in a way that uh, this particular authoritarian uh, <laughs> regime was led by not a very smart person. But that might not be the, the, the case next time. And so that's why I think it's so very important that we learn those lessons. So that's you said that interview is in episode 50. Episode 50. And it's paired with... Um, Daryl, an interview with Daryl Lamont Jenkins of the One People's Project, where um, we talk about the current state of the fascist movement. He is the top expert on the Proud Boys. And we we talk about what it what it means that, you know, nearly 75 million people knowing all that Trump is for, knowing the violent misogyny, the violent white supremacy. Um the whole package, the the fact that hundreds of thousands of people died because of his criminal negligence over COVID, knowing all of that, they said more, please, and and what the implications of that are. Um, so that was an episode fifty. I also really found episode forty nine. I had a conversation on on the power of lies and the centrality of lies to fascism with fascism scholar um, Federico Finkelstein. He is the author of several books that I highly recommend, both on fascism, on populism. And he explores um, with me the the fascist movement post-trump, the impact of Trump on other fascist leaders, uh, the need for accountability, um, and most importantly, why it matters that we identify this as fascism and why we look at the destruction of objective reality as a cornerstone of that full program. And we looked at what that means in terms of something like a global pandemic to have a fascist in power. Um, And we also look at at, um, Bolsonaro in Brazil, who uh, Federico does um, tremendous work on. Wow. Yeah, because we couldn't have had a worse administration to to deal with the pandemic. Um, Wow. Yeah, I I really encourage everybody to check out your podcast. It's called Refuse Fascism. You can get it wherever you find podcasts. And where can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah. So um, I just want to say there's so there's so many. Um, We run the ramp that the range of topics covering like Trump's refusal to wear a mask as a sign of fascism to having experts like Jason Stanley talk about how fascism works a lot on Trump's death cult, the Christian fascist movement and its embrace of Trump, American exceptionalism and American mythology. But we also talked to people on the front line of refusing this fascism from Portland to LA to North Carolina to the suburbs of Chicago, the experience and unique insights of a Holocaust survivor. And and we also get into organizing methods. Great. Calls to action. Very important. Always. Exactly. So it's like the full, I I just want (laughs) to let people know if there's, you'll hear from academics, but you'll also hear from activists and you'll hear from artists and and people of prominence like Rosie O'Donnell, Rosanna Arquette, um, and others. And you can find the podcast, as Allison said, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, But you can follow Refuse Fascism on Twitter at Refuse Fascism. You can follow me at Sambi Goldman. Awesome. I appreciate your time today. Everybody, seriously, check it out. Uh, I look forward to the next episode, too. I appreciate your time today. Sam Goldman, appreciate you. Thanks so much, Allison. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans. It's April, and that means April showers, April taxes, getting April fooled. 
Uh, April. Uh, at least it's not March. But to balance out the negative, how about doing something positive? Right now, you can pr- to protect your loved ones and save money with life insurance through Policy Genius. Policy Genius can help compare top insurers in one place and save you 50% or more on life insurance. Getting started is easy. Just head to policygenius.com and in minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes to find your best price. Since their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, there's no hassle. The Policy Genius team will answer any questions for you along the way. Their service has earned Policy Genius, a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google, and all the benefits of Policy Genius, the comparison tool, handling the paperwork, unbiased advice, it's all totally free to use. Policy Genius can promise you won't leave their website feeling like a fool, and you could save 50% or more by comparing life insurance quotes, and feel good knowing that if something happens, your loved ones will be taken care of. So go to policygenius.com and get started. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. All right, everyone, it's time for the good news. Well, we're Now, Mary, I love this part of the show because you get to see a lot of pod pets. We get to see good news. We've got confessions, corrections. We've been playing a game called um, Guess That Mutt, uh, which is AG and I are terrible at. I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast, but we're really, really bad. I have. And I'm going to make you guys look good, probably. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. So hopefully we've got some good stories. Um, If you've got good news, corrections, and confessions, continue to send them into the podcast. We'd love to have them. I'm going to get this started. It's a short one. So actually, you know what? I'll take the first two. They're very short. First one's from Jim, pronouns he and him. Dana, here are some hummingbird photos from the swarm we feed each year in Indiana. The good news is that they've been sighted in Indiana. So we'll be hanging out the feeders soon. I love this. I actually sent some hummingbird photos I took last weekend. And so they got put into the newsletter. Oh my God. I love these little guys. Look how beautiful. Me too. As you know, I'm a bird person. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I got to send you, I'll text you some of the photos I took last weekend. Definitely. Thank you so much for Jim and uh, getting these started for us. Next one up, more more pictures. This is from Andy, pronoun she and her. This is my thank you for all the positives you have brought to my life. This beauty was a regular visitor to my garden in 2018. This moment in time means so much to me as I'm having that worked into my tattoo. You all were a part of that moment, so thank you. Look at this. Is that a monarch, you think? Wow, I don't know, but it's stunning. So, so pretty. I love that you all are finding beauty in nature. Thank you so much for these. Exactly. It really, really helps. All right. Next one's yours. Uh, This is from Barbro, no pronouns. Hello. Barbro is the Norwegian version of Barbara. Um, Winking emoji. (laughs) First, thank you for helping me understand the U.S. Or maybe not understand, but at least get a better understanding. Today, I drove my mother to get her vaccination. Awesome. I insisted her in assisted her inside and sat waiting with her when a nurse came and asked if we both were there to get our shots. I told her that I was just with my mother to help her. And she said, oh, good. But do you want one? (laughs) Turns out someone didn't show up. And with the Pfizer's, they go to waste if they're not used almost instantly. Woohoo. In Norway, the vaccination has been really slow. In latest estimates, I was scheduled to have my first shot in July. Wow. Wow. I'm so happy both for my mother and me. Next shot will be in May. So maybe we can actually have a summer. Also sending you pod pet tax picture of one of my cats. He's the only one inside right now since they started out going out again after winter. The snow here is finally gone. Jengis, not sure if I'm pronouncing that, is nine years and really a cuddler. Also sending pic of my happy place between the dog, Sean, and another of my cats, Lucy. Feel free to guess the breed. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. What a cutie pie. Oh my gosh, indeed. It, it looks like there's a a Scotty in there or a terrier? Chihuahua. Chihuahua. I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally uh, kidding. There's probably going to be like, we, we, and yeah, AG and I are like, we have to see terrier for everything and some sort of a sheepdog. Some kind of Labrador? Labrador? <laughs> Could be lab. Oh, oh, not it's a close. poodle, Bichon, and Havanese. Am I saying that right? Havanese? I that was like a sauce you put on your eggs. <laughs> I think that's Bernays, but you're close. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's Havanese. Hopefully I'm not saying that wrong. AG usually is my corrector with my pronunciation and I don't have her today. So hopefully I'm not butchering these too badly. 
All right. Now, uh, this next one, several listeners wrote in uh, to correct ID printing in Florida. Here's the one from Mac, pronouns he and him. Dearest Beans Queens, since the beginning of the pandemic, I've fallen months behind on nearly all of my other podcasts, but I've stayed current with the Beans as my first podcast of every weekday. I appreciate your intelligent and thoughtful analysis of the news and current events. Now, as a Florida resident since 2012, I wanted to comment on the role of the tax collector in Florida Motor Vehicle Administration, driver's licensing services, vehicle registration, titling, etc. are indeed all handled by the county tax collector's office in Florida. Huh. We do not have a separate DMV MVA, so Matt Gates would indeed go to the tax collector's office to get a replacement government-issued ID if he were to need one. Huh. And this is just my addition. I wonder if they got printed any fake IDs for any of the women that he was traveling Good with. Question. That's just my two cents. Thank you. All right, continuing. I suppose it's plausible, if sketchy as fuck, that Gates could meet his good buddy Joel Greenberg at the office after hours to flip through the renewed duplicate driver's licenses ordered through the online portal and waiting to be sent in the mail to pick up his. It does not, however, explain why Gates would leave without his replacement ID only to find the original later. Huh. It's especially gratifying when I'm playing the beans to full volume while we work from home. My spouse asked me to pause the podcast rather than switching to headphones when he has a conference call. That's awesome. Because he wants to hear the rest when he's done. Thank you for keeping both of us informed and engaged for Pod Pet Tax. Here's our two kitties. The bronze tabby on the mantle is Atticus, who showed up on the balcony of my second floor apartment one Sunday morning demanding to be let in. When it became clear he was not feral, I left him on the balcony to get cat food and litter to care for him until I found his owner. Now, when I got back, he was off the balcony and waiting for me by my front door. That was almost seven years ago. Two years later, we decided he needed a friend, and I fell in love with the Torby, tortoise shell tabby, baby in the front. Now, uh, Cal- Calliope? Mm-hmm. Calliope was six oh, months old. Sure. Yeah. Good. Calliope was six months old when we adopted her and had been rescued after surviving alone without her mother for an inter... Um, indeterminate amount of time and was recovering from a abscess in her side. Oh goodness. She was recovering from her mistrust of people as is now the snuggliest of the two. Oh my goodness gracious. Look at these babies. That last picture is just a ball of fluff. <laughs> oh, the best. Thank you for those. Awesome. Uh, this is from Mary pronoun she, her. Thank you for continuing to present the news in an engaging, understandable way. I have heard a misheard song lyric. I once worked with a guy who insisted that the lyrics for Danger Zone went Highway Cougar Danger Zone. <laughs> when, when pressed about what he thought that might mean, he shrugged and guessed that a cougar danger zone was similar to a deer crossing, but for <laughs> dangerous feline predators. Highway that's to the awesome. danger zone. <laughs> Highway Cougar Danger Zone. All right. I love these misheard lyrics. They make me laugh every time. Ooh, okay. So normally Amy does the Fridays with AG and it's Amy's court. So it's you and me, Mary. We've got court today. We are holding court. This is Bean's court is in session. Judges Protum, Dana Goldberg, and Mary Trump presiding. Now, this is from Anonymous. Anonymous brings us wedding bliss versus guest stress. Now, here it is. Hello, Bean's ladies. I have a dispute that I need settled. My wedding's coming back up in September 12th, which was pushed back from last September. Yay for it actually moving forward this time. Congratulations. However, family members are in disagreement over what to put on the invitation when the time comes. First, a little background. Our list was cut from 130 to 80 people, with most starting to get vaccinated now. A lot of guests have been upfront with me over their vaccination status, and others have expressed hesitation on getting the vaccine. Sigh. Therefore, my matron of honor feels that the best path forward would be for the rule to be, quote, must show proof of vaccination or negative COVID test within three days of attendance. However, my mother-in-law feels that telling people that they must show proof is rude, but my matron of honor feels that this will be the only way to ensure those who are compromised can attend the wedding safely. Do you think it's out of line to ask for proof, or should I only specifically target those who have indicated that they do not want a vaccine? For reference, this is about four to five people at of 80. Now, I need to protect those who are closest to me, and I do not want to offend my guest. My matron of honor feels no one should be surprised, but I really wanted to hear an independent, objective opinion, because um, assertive is really hard for me, and I try to make the delicate balance between assertive and not coming off as rude. So please, please help. Thank you, ladies. Now, I think you and I are probably going to agree on this. Now, the delivery may be different. This is my take. 
Um, actually, Mary, you're the guest. You take first, and then I'll I'll put my two cents in. Yeah, I think this is a no brainer. Um, I'm from New York. We have lived through 13 months of absolute hell. I wouldn't go to a function, a wedding, or any other function with lots of people unless everybody was vaccinated or had negative COVID tests. We have we're almost through this. I honestly don't. If somebody doesn't want to get tested or feels like you're being rude, then you know what? Then they're they're missing out if they don't want to come. You are by requesting this protecting everybody there instead of thinking you're rude they should love you more for it and boom gavel down i agree 100 percent with mary i would feel so much safer knowing that i was going to a wedding where people had been vaccinated um i think you'll be able to relax as the bride this is your day it should not be about anybody else and i understand that you are trying not to hurt people's feelings but I think that, and who knows if this is consistent with any other parts of your life, this is a day you get to take care of yourself. And if it makes you feel safer to have everyone vaccinated so you know that people that are most at risk can relax and enjoy that special day, do it. You are not being rude. You are being smart and you're being safe. So congratulations on your upcoming nuptials in September. I hope it's a beautiful day. Um, if anyone agrees, disagrees with Mary or myself, I, I think that you should write in, but I don't think it's a good idea because I think we're right <laughs> about this. And it's our court and Amy can have it back next week. Um, oh my goodness. Okay, so we got through it. AG, I hope when you listen to this, we've at least made you a little bit proud. Thank you for trusting me with your baby. Mary, thank you for taking a break from writing your book to come on to the podcast and be my co-host today. It meant the world to me and I always love spending time with you. Well, thank you so much for letting me sit in your chair. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, I've been looking forward to this because like, one, I love hanging out with you. Two, it's nice to have a break and <laughs> I'm so happy I got I got to do good news. Yes, it's so nice to have the good news. Uh, before we go, AG always asks this. Any last, any last words for, the, for our listeners, Mary? Uh, just what I would I say um, to everybody whenever I can, please get vaccinated if you haven't already. And if you have, uh, even if you're past your uh, day of freedom, two, two days, two, sorry, two weeks past your second shot, keep wearing a mask, keep social distancing. Let's keep each other safe. I love it. And on that note, and I'm going to mess up the order, so please forgive me, but uh, take care of yourselves, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health and take care of each other. I've been Dana Goldberg. I've been Mary Trump. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Oh my God, AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, Keith Lorraine, Keith like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from they might be giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah, there you go. No. Although were they talk, what, was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their <laughs> lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my uh, god! The best I, I love. I love their. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation 
of uh, Birdhouse in Your Soul, which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. Um, Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's a little birdhouse from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones. 